1: So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Let's
0: go! This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on vSYN.
2: Lombardi Line here on a Friday. We welcome you in. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the vSYN studios here at the South Point and joined in studio by the big guy, Michael Lombardi. Here on Visa and the sports Betting Network, just the one in the association tonight. Michael Grizzlies Timberwolves. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Open one has been bet up with the Grizz to one and a half. The total open two twenty eight and a half. Wes was just discussing has jumped up to two twenty nine and a half at a few books. Uh, quickly, Santos told us this during the break, and it it makes sense. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Abrams. All declined as far as the fifth-year option, but in the new regime here in Oakland, which to me, it makes sense, showing proof. Well, I think
3: even if the old regime was here, how do you pick up Cleveland (laughs) Farrell's? I mean, how do you pick his option up? He has done nothing. I mean, Abraham has been, you know, he was highly touted coming out as this hitter and tough guy. and. And there's no place in the NFL for him unless he's a will linebacker. Like, there's just – you can't play him on the deep part of the field, which is what you worry about when you draft a safety. Yeah. You know, you got to be able to cover. It's hard. And so, you know, I I I to me, if Gruden were still in charge and Mayock were still in charge, they couldn't justify picking up Farrell or Abram. So, I think this is a smart play. Jacobs, to me, is, you know, when you draft a running back early – you know, you're getting, it's one contract and go. You put a, you sign a running back to a second contract. You're really risking it, and especially one that's had some miles on him in terms of the the injuries and all that. I, I think the Raiders need to improve in that. I mean, Kenyon Drake still hurt, but they need another back. They need another back. I think
2: they need somebody back there. And you told the betters, no running backs going in the first round. Hall will probably go the kid from Iowa State. He'll he'll
3: go in the second round. Yeah. So will Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I I believe so. They'll they'll go there. And so that's the value, right? I mean, we are past the days of Tucker Fredrickson and Ken Willard are going one two all these running backs. A couple
2: full, what was the draft? You told me two fullbacks went like 63 or something. Yeah, they
3: went ahead of Buckus and Gale Sayers, and you know, I mean, it was incredible. But <laughs> people love them. I mean, look, people
2: back in that day, fullbacks were the king of the the king of the the gridiron. Was Hamilton slipping to fourteen to the Ravens? Because this is where I, I was listening to some DC talk. Who DC and the Commanders moved back and got. Uh, Dotson, the wide receiver, who pretty much did everything for Penn State. And I know you, you talked about Dotson. You like Dotson. I do. Um, many thought they'd go Hamilton there. Hamilton was a guy, the safety from Notre Dame, he ran slow. But he was a guy that was talked about as a top three pick at you one know, point. Everybody loved
3: Hamilton. And, you know, they, they, they thought he could cover tight ends. It, it, you know, when you're a safety, covering a tight end is one thing. But you've got to cover slots. And you've got to be able to adjust it out. It's challenging. And I think that was the issue. We'll see what he can do in Baltimore scheme. How they're going to play him? To me, he seems better to be down in the box. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's the Abram liability at the high point of the safety. Like to me, Abram was a two-level safety. Same thing with Jamal Adams. So you have to when you grade safeties in the NFL, you have to. There's three levels of a defense. There's the the level where the quarterback is blitzing. There's the level where the linebacker is. That's level two, and then level three is where the safeties line on deep two cover two. The deep part of the field. Well. If you can't play on three levels, it's hard for you to get drafted early as a safety. Really. If you can't play on three levels as a linebacker, it's hard for you to get drafted early. And so, for me, you know, I think that's the question you have to ask yourself. Can Hamilton do that? Can he play on all three levels? Abrams, at Mississippi State, there was, there was no question, no question he could never play on three levels. If you put him back in the deep part of the field, he was going to be a liability. Even in the red zone, he's a liability. So I think that's where they have to work out. And that look, no one's gonna take it for granted. I mean, if they see teams
2: see a safety, they feel like they can take advantage of them. They're gonna take advantage of them. So this is a note, and we talked about the surprising trade as far as Marquis Brown. By the way, Marquis Brown was already taking pictures last night with Arizona brass. So he was already there in the desert and uh, Santos pointed out Eric DaCosta, the Ravens general manager, Michael said that Marquise Brown requested to trade after the season. You saw Lamar Jackson tweeting WTF. Uh, so it appears that it, according to DaCosta, Marquise Brown wanted out. My only question would be why would the Cardinals uh, facilitate that for them? I mean, to <laughs> that's me the it's one a, that shocks me, man. It I'm really sorry. does.
3: I have a hard time understanding where he fits, how he fits. You know, and he's such a little guy. And, you know, durability has been a little bit of an issue with the kid. He's played through it. Last year he played in all 16 games, so he was able to do that. But 11-1, when your longest pass play, to me, when, you know, his four, well, his long one was 70, I mean, he's had two big pass plays, 83 and 70. But I think the reality here is, is can he get first downs? Can he get the ball in the end zone? Those are going to be the key things. I think
2: when you have a little quarterback, you need a big receiver. I think that's fair. And the – Okay, so just quickly, I want to ask you about the Eagles, and we'll move on and get to some uh, other stuff. But Hurts, it's being reported by James Palmer at NFL Network that Hurts asked Eagles general manager Howie Roseman to pursue A.J. Brown into trade. Is Hurts the future? I mean, he's he's delegating what the organization should do personnel-wise. Like, is he I, I even going to be the quarterback after this season? You know, I'm trying to think how, how
3: would Hurts have a relationship with A.J. Brown. You know, it's kind of hard to even think about it. Look. Yeah. I can't – I mean, I get this inclusion that you want to have players involved in your decision-making, right? I get that. But uh, like I said, when you asked Sewell, did he play against this guy? I get that. But I don't get that you have to – you know, like if Hertz comes to him and says, hey, because there's no guarantee Hertz is going to be the quarterback. I mean, look, Hertz has got to prove that he can play drop-back pass quarterback in the National Football League. I think that's more than anything, right? I mean, what what – he's not – He's not coming off an MVP season or playing <laughs> anything, right? No.
2: By the way, Georgia, five defensive players. You think that unit was good last year? Five defensive players taken in the first round. And Nicobe Dean's still on the board. Yep. My, my guess is Dean goes. I think Dean has a medical. Does he? I think Dean has a medical. And
3: I'm not trying to, to hurt. I think there are some teams that have Dean on their sideboard because of the medical. I don't know what it is or what it could be. But the, the, obviously he's a good player, but there's a medical concern there.
2: Fair. So the Bucks are going to be picking round two, pick one, thirty-three. Right. And so when I say medical, what what that means, Patrick,
3: is is your train your your doctors give every player outside of the, the the head coach, outside of the general manager, they give them a medical grade, and that medical grade basically tells the ownership, like, this guy would be you know you can't this guy's a risk to pick in the first round. This guy's a risk in terms of his longevity of the injury, right? So so now, was he a better player in the second? Yeah, probably. Is he more valuable in the third? It's all, remember, the draft is equated to money. Mm-hmm. It's all money. It's all all those slots are money. So would we be better off? Way, is this worthwhile? Like in, in 1980, when we wanted to draft Jeremiah Trotter, Jeff Lurie says, well, if he's there in the third, we can take him. That There's minimal, that's less risk. Okay, so he was there. We took him, and he ended up having a longer career than everybody thought. That's kind of what – so I'm not killing the kid to get – that medical grade doesn't kill him. That medical grade just tells you where you
2: can take him based on the money of the rounds. Sticking with the same team, how about Pickens? George Pickens, a wide receiver. He probably was the number wide receiver one in this draft if he never got hurt. He's right. 6'3". He's a monster. He's tremendous. He's fast. But he's probably going to get taken in the second round here. Yeah.
3: And, and, you know, here's what I'm going to say again. There's, gonna, there's six guys picked in the first. I think 50% of them will not be as good as we think they are. Sure. Okay, and I think that uh, – and I would think only one will be good as we think they are. I really do. I think it's not going to be this whirlwind that we all believe we see.
2: I don't know how you discern between Garrett Wilson and Olave. When I watch them together, I'm like, they're they're essentially the same player. How about the backups when they came in the Rose Bowl? They were
3: better than <laughs> were both of
4: They were better. Like, than that's the what
3: bothers me is the guys playing behind them are just as good as they are. Like, I'm not saying Garrett Wilson's not a good player. Sure. I'm not,
2: but to me it's like whoa like what is I agree you know I, that that was shocking right i did i the one thing i will say about the move from detroit he, there was a purpose and so you whether or not williams works out who knows he's i we we all saw a ton of him obviously and he popped the acl which was terrible but first off the kid wanted to play which you like to see but I, I like the fact that they had a plan. The Lions had a plan and a purpose. You, you kind of have to go sometimes with that, right? You, if the team yeah. has a clear vision, you've talked about it all the time going into the draft. No
3: doubt. And I mean, look, give them credit. They had a plan. They executed the plan. Femi just tweeted out, and I think this is kind of interesting. This is this is really important. He said, you know, Femi was – when the Raiders traded Mac and Cooper, they were applauded by what they got for both players, right? But now when we analyze that trade – it's a disaster. That's an
2: unmitigated disaster.
3: It's really bad. And so that's really what happens is we don't spend enough time going back looking at it. The Lions now, because of they, that pick that they traded for Stafford, they improved themselves with by getting Jamison Williams as opposed to taking somebody at 32. That pick translated into Jamison Williams. So it's going to be linked to Stafford. So you're hoping that that's going to be a good pick. You pick they picked Farrell. They picked Jacobs and Abraham. Uh, that, they got no rewards
2: out of those picks. You could essentially say, not bust, but all three super well, underwhelming. When you give up, the, you don't pick up the fifth bust. year. Bust. You, it's
3: really, it's, it's not worth it. I mean, Farrell's a bust. I mean, there's Total no bust. Yes. And I've said it when they turned the card in. They light a torch in honor of the man who believed the 40 time was the most important thing in all of football. And this kid didn't run a 40 before the
2: draft. How do you have that? How, ba- how do you have that? You can't have that. Darius Hayward Bay is rolling over in a fake grave thinking about that. You got you to run. And if you run, you're going to impress. What would, what, would, what would Al Davis say about that speed? I mean, you know, like he, he, <laughs> Farrell, he would have never drafted Farrell.
3: Those three picks that they made, there's no way you would have gotten Al to take any one of those three. If you know Al, like I know Al, there's no way he's taking any one of those yeah, three. Yeah, Jacobs was in a burner. Jacobs, nor would he want to take a running back. I mean, nobody want to take a running back that couldn't tilt. You know, remember it's tilt the field. Yeah, you know, you got to have it, what he calls it. It. You got to have it. Like you know, there's very few
2: players that have it, but you got to have it. I was kind of hoping you'd say it in his voice. Ah, oh. <laughs> Kevin wanted to hear it too. Uh, and by the way, Femi and Michael, check out the podcast GM Shuffle. You can find it wherever you find your podcast, or just go to com. It makes it easy. When we come back, you want to touch on? I actually thought. Miami would be a $140, $40, $50 favorite in the series against the 76ers. It's heavy. It's 180. When we come back, we'll discuss it with Mr. 76er to my right. It was a shocking third quarter because the way that game was heading into the break, you thought Toronto might force a game seven. We'll come back and discuss and get into Minnesota and Memphis tonight as well.
1: Zumo Play.
0: to the Lombardi line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
2: Okay, it's the spring special. I've mentioned it because it's worth it. 59 bucks. Burke with the MLB picks daily. Uh, Jonathan Vontob with the NBA picks daily. And then the Stanley Cup playoffs from Annie McNeil. Plus, NFL preseason coverage, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR, Kentucky Derby. Got it all. Veston.com slash spring. Also, point spread weeklies involved. So through July 31st, you get everything for 59 bucks. It's pretty great.
3: I met the great Adam Burke last night. The guy does, I mean, an amazing
2: job he does on those morning emails, isn't it? Tremendous work with the daily email, which you can get for free. Just go to VEASAN.com, enter your email address, and start your betting day with us.
3: Yeah, the write-ups are extensive. They're great. I mean, I don't know how, if you want to be a professional better or you know, you, you need all that data. It's incredible. It really is, it's especially sick. with baseball. Oh
2: gosh, yeah, baseball. It's such a, it can be such a slog, and you can get in a groove. It's very rhythmic. Betting baseball is—it's a whole other beast. A lot of some for some professional bettors, it's their favorite sport to bet. Is it really? Yeah, for some prof- Why? Some- it's it's a long play though. It, it, you can't evaluate yourself over a a game, a two days, three no, days. No, you have to commit hours and hours and hours to you know bullpen usage and and it's just it's very rhythmic I know a couple of pros that only bet two wow. in particular pretty much they they'll bet college basketball college football for fun but they're professional major league baseball bettors um though but Burke does a great job writing it up and JVT with the NBA as well and our buddy Sunshine with the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is good. Oh, man, we gotta get them some vitamin D though. Oh uh, no
3: doubt. They gotta get the sun up there in Alberta, <laughs> whatever the hell he is. I mean so, you know, <laughs> you ever see those shows on TV, living at minus 70 degrees, you know. Uh, I mean I've watched one of those documentaries where you live it. I mean, now, I, I, why, I, who wants to why would you put yourself through that? There's like some town in China that like they're on minus 70, the kids have to walk to school, they can only walk for like six minutes or they're too cold.
2: I, don't, like, I think it's, it's still snowing there in Ocean City, New Jersey, by the way. I, I called call the, call the
3: great Bill Berman, and he was telling me it's still cold. Like I'm, it's, we're almost What's in the May. Point?
2: If, if not now, when would I, I, I apply that to getting the hell out of the cold, people? Why would you subject yourself? To, I always say the reason that all my friends and I we grew up on sports and we're so you know, educated in sports is because we sat inside for six months of the year. Yeah, I know. It's depressing. It is depressing. My parents completely botched it. Move. <laughs> Dad, you work at the post office. They're all and, over and the and country. We,
3: and we live in a, a high-tax high state, too. I mean, we're getting taxed left and right. No taxes here. Your son yeah.
2: knows that. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's well aware of that. Trust <laughs> me. He'd <laughs> save a lot of cash. Um Thoughts on your boys? Yep. The 76ers and Harden showing up in the third. Uh, the first half was kind of back and forth. You, you, it, it did feel like going into the break that Toronto was right in the mix. And then I, I don't know what happened in the third with the 76ers.
3: You know, I, I thought they were destined to, to lose the game because in the first half they were doing the things that typically they do when they lose. The offensive rebounding was a real issue for them. They had 10 offensive rebounds Toronto in the first half. And I thought they kind of took it. But the second half. The game changed, and the game changed more because I think of of a how Harden played, like Wes Reynolds said earlier in the show. But I thought Maxi was sensational. Oh, awesome. I thought he was. Sens- I mean, he was aggressive. He was hitting three point shots. He took the game to them, and I and I think that's that was that was missing. That was he played like Van Fleet was on the court, not the way they were. And I think just Toronto ran out of gas. And credit to Philadelphia, I didn't see it coming. I thought for sure Toronto was going to be able to turn it around. But, you know, Philly was able you know, they ended up with, they ended up, they went from one offensive rebound, then they ended up with 10. They gave up 16 in the game. But I thought the way they shot and the way they defended got much better. I was telling Femi, we're sitting there watching it during the draft, and, you know, the first half, they gave up 62 points in the first. I'm like,
2: I know. how are we going to beat anybody giving up that many points? They, they had a different purpose on defense in the second half. I agree with them. Maybe Doc got to him in the second half. They did hold the Raptors to, what, 20% from 3-7 of 35. A lot of that was just the Raptors' missing shots. They it's were a, open shots. Yeah,
3: I, were, That's why I thought the first half wasn't indicative of the game, because I thought they were missing shots. I agree. I thought that they would come back, and then the 76ers, you know, the 76ers, they shot 16 for 40 from three-point. They were 40%. And when they shoot well, they can pretty much play anybody.
2: I thought the ball movement in particular, I was watching that second half. I, I got into that game. I thought the ball movement was really good in the second half. And you mentioned uh, Maxi, 25 points. He was efficient from the field, eight assists. He's turning into a superstar is what Maxi is. I mean, to me, and I, in that first half, Harden looked completely washed. He did. He looked completely washed and then popped in the third 22 points. He was efficient from the field. He had the 15 assists, and that, to me, was the difference in the second half. He really saw some facilitation from the 70s. If they're playing like that, they could beat anybody if they're facilitating like that. Well, he was
3: 7 for 15, 7 for 12 from the field, which is what he's got to be able to do. You know, he's plus 38 on the court. I mean, he was plus 38 on the court yesterday. Yep. So, you know, that that's kind of what they need to do. But to me, Maxie, you know, he's 8 for 16 from the floor. He's 5 of 12 from the three-point line. And, you know, he was being aggressive, going to the rim. I think that's what they have to do. Look, they they have to take it to Miami. I mean. Maxie feels like the second option now. I think my, Maxie, to me, I think Maxie is the guy they've got to run the team through. When he's going, they're going. And, you know, everybody else said as long as, look, uh, Tobias was at three for eight from three-point line. I mean, Tobias is playing the role, playing defense. They're going to have to match the mental and physical toughness of the game here. I think this is going to be really important. They're going to match Miami
2: Heat's mental toughness. So that series, we were just talking about it. That series opened Miami a 180 favorite, dollar 80 to win a dollar in the series, series price. So let's take a look. Of course, you've got the Bucks and Celtics. No Middleton in game one. That's opening up on Sunday. That number opened the Celtics four and a half. It's still sitting four and a half, a couple fives. And then coming up on Monday, right, Monday's the second, yeah, uh, 76ers heat. Game one, open four heat, and pretty much everywhere still sitting four. Were you surprised the heat were 180 favorites or no? No. No, I mean, look, I mean, I was surprised Philly beat Toronto. I thought they would lose it in
3: six, and they won it in six, but – Uh, You know, I kind of get the sense that, you know, this is going to be Philly's going to go down there. They have always struggled in Miami again. You know, they got to go down there and play their game and and, and get one of these games down there. This if they can, this is going to be a seven game series if they're going to win it. If the Heat win, it'll be a five game series.
2: Of course Lowry's health is a concern. I don't think Butler they're overly concerned. They were being cautious with sitting Butler out. But the Lowry hamstring has to worry you if you worries you
3: and they're three point shooting. I mean the Sixers gotta do a good job. If they give them the open looks that Toronto had, that'll be a really yeah. challenging game for them. Yeah. You know, and they've got to handle Bam inside. I mean, Embiid's gotta play we don't talk a lot about it, but Embiid's defensive, he's gotta play defense. I mean, he's got to be the presence down in there, and if Butler's trying to get to the rim or trying to create, I mean, he's got to go down in there. I mean, he's got to play his best game. I mean, look, the, if you
2: want to be the MVP, this is the this is the series you got doing him. One series left in round one, and it's been a glorious mess is the only way to describe the Grizzlies Timberwolves, I guess. So that is uh, tonight. It's a Grizzlies an opportunity game six to close out Minnesota tonight, Michael in Minnesota. You know, it's been interesting, too, because just looking at the trends here, the totals jumped up to 229.5, and you said you heard Wes lean over. The unders 5-2 and two over the last seven meetings and 3-1 and to the under the last four games of this series. So, interesting with the over jumping from 228.5 to 229.5. But overall, Memphis very much could have lost game five. These games have been so topsy-turvy, it's insane. And you can't predict the winner. These have got to be the hardest in-games to bet.
3: You you know, because the swings have been the swings have been so dramatic. And, you know, and to me, like I said, I I think the Timberwolves are the better team. I think Morant makes the difference. Bain makes the difference. Brooke Dillon Brooks makes it. You know, there's a lot of good players on Memphis. I'm not disputing that. But the Grizzlies have had ample opportunity to close it down. They just missed that. Competitive fiber to close it down, you know, and so they historically fell apart in that game I mean it the was... two games they historically fell yeah. apart i mean this this series should be over you know and and so you know they've had it's it's a little bit like with New Orleans right New Orleans had that moment where you thought they mm-hmm. were going to be able to upset them and they just didn't have enough get that's one thing about a seven game series that I think is so re- revealing is it does tell you who the best team is yep you know and and the longer the series goes. The talent shows up. That's why if I had to pick somebody, I would pick
2: Memphis tonight. And the Suns talent showed up last night. They close out the series on the road at New Orleans. They ended up closing three, three and a half off the two and a half opener. It was a 115-109 winner for the Suns. Kind of workmanlike, and Paul was great in the game. So that is the end of that series. Well, I'll tell you what, the Pelicans, the future's bright. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with Zion, but... Because he might mix, he might mess with the flow. Because he's... think about the payrolls on players in the NBA that didn't play this year.
3: Well, think about John Zion. Wall, Zion, right? Zion, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George missed a ton of games. Ben Simmons. I mean, there might be a billion. I mean, I there think might John be Wall a half got of, paid forty-five million to sit up. You start adding up some of these guys that didn't even participate. That got you know that just basically were getting paid $40 forty million, thirty-five
2: million, and didn't even play. Look up John, hey, Santos. Do me a favor. Look up what John Wall got paid this year. I think I don't even know what team is John Wall on. Now? Houston, but they they didn't want him to play because they didn't want him to mess with the idea of getting a better pick. Like it, he's not part of the future, so they just said just sit. And he wanted to play. He was a healthy scratch the whole entire season. Uh-huh.
3: That had to be tough on him. I mean, I mean, when you want to play, you know that that that's where the commissioner's got to come in
2: and look at this league and try to fix this. This is ridiculous. It and the commissioners outwardly said. He made 47 million this year and didn't play. 47. That's a good gig if you can get it. If you can get, although there is a part. I mean, if it's not his any, fault, though. No. If you had any aspirations, though, like what do you do every day? <laughs> you have 47 million to figure out your day, I guess. We'll come back with Josh and continue with the draft next here, Lombardi Line.
0: to the Lombardi Line on v Sin, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
2: Lombardi Line, V-CIN, v the Sports Betting Network. Michael Lombardi here in Vegas with us. Happy to have him here. Will be, It's going to be live from the studio for the Lombardi Line on Saturday and Sunday, so yeah. we're looking forward to that. Got a big Michael Buble concert tonight to go to. I'm excited cool. to see the man. He's a tre- tremendous tenor. Well, I would.
3: It's a, you it's know a the a story great... about him, right? What's that? So uh, David, uh, the, the David Foster, the music man, sure went to a wedding in Canada, and uh, he, the guy who was running the wedding obviously said, "Look, you got to come listen to this guy singing at the wedding. He's the most incredible entertainer you're ever going to hear." And, and David uh, Foster, you know, he hears this all the time, like, "Give sure. me a break, give me a break." Literally, when he went to the wedding and he heard Buble, he's like, "Whoa." Immediately signs Buble to a contract, flies him to Los Angeles, puts him in his bungalow in the back, and starts coaching him up on how to become an entertainer. And
2: the rest is history. So he's literally the wedding singer. He oh. was the wedding singer. Yeah, he's like our modern day here, Sinatra. Harry Connick,
3: Sinatra. Yeah, he's a, that. That's you know, he's 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 such an entertainer. too. I mean, he's really good. I, I've seen him once before but this will be great to see him in yeah, this venue.
2: That's an awesome Over opportunity. Over Resorts
3: World it is tonight. Have you been there? I have not been to Resort. That's where Bill AD stays quite a bit. Yeah, you know all the, you know the routine on Bill. <laughs> well,
2: there's going to the, be a there's there, going to be
3: a Bill documentary. AD, I know we have to get Josh on sure. but Bill AD really is, could be a character,
2: a major character in a novel. Like he could be. Because He's from the future too, or the past. He dresses well. He's got a interesting personality.
3: Yeah, he would be an un- like if I ever had a novel in me. He would be a character you could base somebody on. I mean, because there's a lot of. You know, when you're writing a novel, you're trying to describe, the ca- like, the count. Like, you kind of know who the count is by the way Tolles has written him in, in A Gentleman in Moscow. The, the, you need those kind of, like, ideas. <laughs>
2: There's a lot of mystery surrounding Bill. Just for those listening, Bill runs the joint with Brian Musburger here at v And he's been here for, what, six years? And he doesn't have a home. He floats <laughs> from hotel to hotel. He's a great guy. Anyway, another great one. Josh joins us. Josh Applebaum. Uh, of course, Market Insights is the pod. Josh, first off, hi.
4: W- wish you were here, buddy. And then secondly, takeaways from last night. Yeah, I wish I was there with you too, guys. Patrick, Michael, great to be with you. And I think, you know, takeaways from the draft is really, you know, kind of what we really harped on, Lombardi line betting across America at Vison as a whole, really paying attention to data-driven betting, line movement. It's an information-based bet. And really what you saw yesterday was a solidification kind of of that process. So, for example, you know, the late movement and late steam, that was a big takeaway for me. Almost all of these late moves hit for you. Trayvon Walker, guy who again was kind of off the radar, open at plus three thousand. Me first overall pick. You saw that late steam push him all the way. You know, minus two hundred to start the week, minus five hundred to close. He goes one overall. Same thing with Hutchinson Patrick. You know, mm-hmm. he's at one point gets down to minus one fifty five, steamed up to minus two hundred he goes second overall. I think the big one that made you believer and maybe kind of approaching the draft from this low bets, higher dollars line move standpoint was Stingley going third overall. You notice when Stingley gets drafted, everyone on ESPN and these different shows, they're going nuts. What a surprise, what a surprise, but it wasn't a surprise to a lot of betters who were, you know, staying glued to the betting odds because Stingley, you know, opened uh, at at one time, like big plus money, like, you know, plus 300 plus 400. I know Mitch, Mitch Moss at one point got him a hundred to one. Uh, got a great number there, but the last day he flipped from plus 200 to minus 125. So it really told you that it was a surprise to the you know the big you know casual better, But for people who stay plugged into the movement, Stingley was a it was you know we saw that coming based on that big move in his favor. Also, guys, a lot of juiced up numbers really hit like under a uh, half running back minus 200 that hit under four and a half cornerbacks minus 150 under uh, over one and a half safeties minus 360 under a half tight end. What I'm getting at is if you followed a lot of these low bets, higher dollars liability plays, you followed a lot of these line movements and you, Kind of didn't say, hey, I want to have some fun. And you see this in the Super Bowl, too. Like, just take a lot of plus money props. Act like a parlay. Cash big. No, it was a lot of these minus numbers that came through. A lot of the line movement. Really, the only surprises, guys, were two. Drake London going ahead of Garrett Wilson. Uh, Garrett Wilson was your favorite to be first wide receiver selected. London cashed as a dog, like, plus 200. The other one was Kenny Pickett. Remember, Willis. The market got that one wrong. Willis was around a minus 150, minus 200 favorite to be the first quarterback can he pick it cashes that around plus 150 but overall guys big takeaway here is if you track the lines you track the low bets higher dollars you looked at the way it really broke the last day going into the draft you did pretty well and I know the books kind of took a hit because a lot of these late moves cashed
2: yeah I saw a lot of betters flossing on Twitter about their draft wins you know it's gambling Twitter's become did did a bet really happen if you don't stunt about it on Twitter Yes, yeah, seriously I, like, <laughs> I listen I admittedly not a big Twitter person but the the level of stunting Post your losses, y'all. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I, you know, like, can we get balance
3: here? You know, I, that's how I like Mike Palm. Mike Palm puts his wins and losses up there. You know, he's got Mr. Transparency,
2: Mike he Palm. Got his Palm readers out yeah, there. You know, you,
3: look, this is not a business that you're not going to suffer some some bad days. And you know, you, you, you hey, listen, know.
2: if you're winning 55 percent of your bets, you're going to lose 45. Right. If you're winning 55, Josh. You're making a good living. Yeah.
4: You really are, Patrick, and we all know the magic number, 52.38%. So 55, you're doing very, very well there. I would also say one other surprise, guys, want to mention this. The offensive lineman, the under 7.5 was juiced up minus 200. That was another one where you actually had nine offensive linemen go. So that was a plus 21 that hit. And then that wide receiver prop was really interesting because it's a test case of, you know, being early and not being late and getting the right number because that opened at 5.5. A, a lot of people at VEASAN really like that over 5.5. Gets all the way at up to 6 and then 6.5. So if you get a late and it ended at six, six total wide receivers. So if you got the early five and a half, you cashed six, you push six and a half, you lose. But also anyone who maybe middled, it took over five and a half, the under six and a half also came through. So whether you won or lost on the draft, I think moving forward, if we want to bet NFL drafts in the future, pay attention to how the lines break the last 24 hours and pay attention to these low bets, higher dollars, a vast majority of them came through.
2: I was just looking up your, your Celtics buck series price. You know, these two series, Bryce, Michael, the Celtics are a minus 210 favorite and the Bucks coming back the other way, plus 180. Uh, Josh, that feels a little heavy. I don't know. These are the defending champs, and I know how well the Celtics are playing defensively, but that's a big number there.
4: Yeah, it is a big number, Patrick. I think that reflects Chris Middleton. The fact that he's not going to be sure. in this series. Like, if Middleton's healthy, I mean, this is maybe, I don't know, Celtics minus 130, minus 140. You look at the game one odds coming up on Sunday. By the way, my birthday, guys, May 1st, Sunday, get ready. Oh, yeah, it's Celtics. the
2: calendar. I'm ready.
4: It, oh, yeah. I know you're all excited, Patrick. You're, you're sending me a nice cake, which I'll get I'm you excited a pony, for. But...
2: Yeah. Get your pony. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> They're favored by four and a half, guys. Line hasn't moved, but keep an eye on the under in game one. It opened 218 and a half down to 217.5. I think
3: that under is in play. I mean, I think both teams, you know, look, the the way Minnesota, it's a game of adjustments, right? So, the way Milwaukee's going to play, the way Boston's going to play, and they're so good defensively. Yep. You know, and and without Middleton in there, they can clamp it down, and they can really create some havoc for Giannis and put a lot of pressure on Portis, put a lot of pressure on
2: Drew Holiday. I mean, this is going to be a
3: hard. Without Middleton, it's going to be really hard for Milwaukee.
2: Especially defensively, he's so good on the wing, and – Low-key, the Bucks struggled offensively against the Bulls. So it's not like they're coming in red-hot offensively. And the Bulls have their myriad of troubles, of course. Josh, tonight, the Grizzlies-Timberwolves, surprised to see the total jump because we've seen unders cash here in the series. And we've seen the Grizzlies bet up to one and a half.
4: Yeah, so I think, you know, going into today, guys, one thing is books really took a hit last night. A lot of these, you know, popular props came through. Baseball, I believe, was 11-1 with favorites. And NBA last night, all these popular favorites hit. It was a rough night for contrarians with none of these home dogs uh, barking with these fishy numbers. So going into it, you know, public saying, hey, this is easy. Just lay these short favorites. You're seeing that again tonight. The Grizzlies open, you know, kind of like a a minus-one favorite, minus-one-and-a-half. The ironic thing is they really haven't moved at all. They're kind of staying right at one and a half. And you're seeing some of these shops maybe get down to one. That's important because 70% of bets are on the Grizzlies here. So again, rough night for contrarians. But I think anytime, you know, favorites do well and people just say, hey, take the favorites again, regression is always kind of right around the corner. I'm looking at the Timberwolves here plus the points. If you can get a one and a half and really a stew point by you, Patrick, this total actually rose, you know, a lot of these books at one point, you know, were 228 and a half. Now they're up to 229 and a half. Surprisingly, 67% of bets are on the under. It would match a, you know, late series game six, tired leg system, but these teams can both score a lot and the public's on the under. This looks like like a contrarian over opportunity. I'd actually be interested in the over despite unders doing very well. This playoffs.
2: Did you have your Patriots taking Cole strange out of UT Chattanooga yesterday at pick 29?
4: I did not, Patrick, but I would say I did have Bill Belichick trading down and taking someone way higher than anyone else expected, and then all of New England Twitter, you know, their heads simultaneously exploding. So uh, it's it's a lineman here. They got to protect Mac Jones. You got to replace. Uh, mason here but i was hoping for nicobe dean some of these defenders daxton hill uh but leave it to belichick all you know classic belichick he topic knows what, he
2: night. knows what he's doing michael lombardi illustrated that perfectly earlier in the show yeah, you can I, always I, check out the replays i love how they the guy wins six Super
3: Bowls, been to eight you know and, and all of a sudden but he twi- but know twitter's what, figuring he doesn't know what, he doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> you know twi- he has Twitter no idea it it's out. like everybody said the packers had it my uh, big daddy vince my cousin bdb Vince, you know, how could they not draft a receiver? Well, Vince, who do you want him to take? Like, what do you want him to do? Do you want him to just invent a receiver? Like, seriously, it's unbelievable. BDV, he's got some energy now for his team, oh, so he gets into it. Well, he's a Nick fan, which has been a suffering, Oof. and he's a huge Packer fan. He hates Gutekust. He hates Lafleur. He's an angry man. Yes, he is.
2: <laughs> Billy Joel wrote a song about him, the angry young man, but now yeah. he's an angry old man.
4: <laughs> Josh, Josh, give me a play tonight. You good, are you, what, what side are you on with the Grizz and Timberwolves? So I took the plus one and a half. I just, you know, at some point, some of these, you know, gross contrarian fishy, you know, home dogs got to come through, especially after a big favorite day, I'll take the over there. And then Patrick NHL keeping out NHL tonight. A lot of teams where nothing matters. Right. A lot of teams where a lot matters. Minnesota needs to win to get home ice. St. Louis needs to win. The Toronto uh, Maple Leafs are resting, everybody. I'm on the Bruins. Uh, give me St. Louis in the wild tonight. S- send me those hockey picks. Text me them, uh, Josh. God, you're
2: just, you two are degenerate. They're coming. It's so bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> so bad. I'll be going heavy. It's so okay, bad. I'm, I'm, I bet he's soccer starting in about 40 minutes here. Oh, it's Santos. so <laughs> Thanks, Josh. We continue Lombardi. Thanks, by. guys. <laughs>
1: Zumo Play.
0: To the Lombardi line on V featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
2: Bet MGM, king of sports books, unleashes the spirit of Vegas. Bet MGM rewards. Every time you make a wager over at BetMGM, MGM, you can earn Bet MGM reward points. It's pretty cool. It's a loyalty program. I always talk about it like your credit card. So get over there and bet, and you're going to become a member. That's the way it works. Got to be 21 years or older. 1 800 gambler if you have an issue. We are just, we're. Michael's been on top of the idea of Quinn Snyder's. We welcome you back. Lombardi line. V-SYN. The sports betting. Oh, we're talking about Quinn Snyder moving on from the Jazz. They got to blow it up. I mean, they're going to Mitchell Gobert situation is just not going to work. Conley's getting old. Uh, Speaking of getting old, Quinn Snyder. So eight years of coaching with the Jazz. They did this like before and after picture. It's actually alarming. It's really it's like he looks like startling.
3: Well, I mean, it's like a president, you know, when you see a picture of him before he goes into office and then after he leaves eight <laughs> years later. Was... Yeah. I mean, it's like, Oh my God, and I get the job does it to you, but Quinn, you know, I, I, would think if, if I were Quinn, I don't know if the lighting was bad on yeah. the picture or what, I, but I think he's probably needs a nice little, like go on vacation and read a few books, like take a year off. I mean, get the he Lincoln needs, highway and he take needs, a break. He needs John Wall's program, <laughs> you know, Like he needs just to sit out. You know, I think like, we all could use a year of John Wall's program. Uh, who Forty-seven million, million, chilling. You know, I mean, I'm sure John Wall gets a workout in every day. Sure, I'm not disputing he's not in great shape. I'm just saying everybody needs that program. You know, uh, look what happened. Al Horford had that program last year in Oklahoma City. Now Horford's he's, he's playing great for bounce back yep. on it. You know, so we all need that. So I think that would be qu- Quinn would be smart to do that. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what Nick Nurse does now that they've been eliminated. It's been rumored that he's going to the that the rumor the Lakers want Nick Nurse. And you and I have discussed why would Nick Nurse want the Lakers? Agreed. Agreed completely. But the, the, why would Quinn Snyder want the Lakers?
2: You you answer that question for me because this is – no, nobody's it, – it, it, when these guys get the money that can – they'll never need another dollar. And in your profession as well in the NFL – what keeps on bringing them back? Like The, the competition,
3: the, the the bell ringing. You know, we got, I want to win. You know, I want to win. I want to be in the arena. I want to be part of something bigger than myself, you know, and I think that unless you find personal freedom, it's hard to get there, you know, and I think you have to move to a, another stage of your life where you feel like, okay, I've had enough. Now I want to make a difference with some other people. I want to do something where I can still make a difference but not have to be in that competitive arena, I think that that's probably what it is. If you're Quinn Snyder, I think it's just really I need a break. I need to regroup. I need to, I need to go to the Duke. You know Francis Ford Coppola when he when he decided that you know he's never seen uh, very many 300 pound 85 year olds. He went to the Duke Weight Loss Center. Yeah. He lost all that weight. I think you know you probably could use that to get yourself back going a little bit.
2: You know interviewed a million athletes over the years, and one, the, this, I don't think it'll surprise you, but maybe it'll surprise the audience. The one comment, I would always ask them, what are you going to miss when they retired? And they said, always say, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the locker room. Yeah, that's They the, don't talk uh, about the games. They talk about the, the locker room. You missed that. Like like last night, you missed the draft
3: day. You missed the excitement. I missed the excitement. The process. I into the, the process, building it up, looking at it, you know, seeing how you do, building. To me, it's the craft of building a team. That's what you miss the most, you know? And so the working hand in hand with somebody to help them, you know, and being a part of that, you know? And so I think that's what you miss the most, but look, at some point you'd have to decide where you are in your life and take another step and then help other
2: people when you're doing it. So you guys, you, you can fill me in. I didn't know this about first off Amazon prime going to have the NFL. Good luck to the NBA. There's gonna be three oh, they just basically told NFL the games on Christmas. They just they, they, they the NFL just told the NBA, you think
3: you own Christmas <laughs> seriously? You think you watch what we do. <laughs> Let's see your best numbers and watch our numbers. Santa won't even be back. He won't even be back to the
2: North Pole by those numbers exploding. I mean, come on. It's what were you saying during the break? I didn't hear. as far as prime, what were you saying, Santos? They're doing another game um as far as scheduling.
3: Well, they're doing the Thursday. They're going to start the Thursday with the Chargers and the Chiefs. So we get Justin Herbert and and Patrick Mahomes to start. That's Thursday night football. I mean, think about that. So you're Andy Reid, you're you know you're you're Brendan Stokely, and you got you know got your opening game, but you already know what your second game of the year is. You know, and it's on a four day rest, which is which is kind of what you should do because both teams know each other well enough yeah. that you're not going to need a lot of preparation. Whereas, like if you would have made that Denver. Nobody knows what Denver's going to do on offense, Denver defense. We know what they're going to do on offense. Defense will be a little bit of a, a little difference. So uh, I, I think that I'm looking forward to the schedule coming out. I forgot Vinny when he left here today. We should be getting some of these over on their numbers coming in here fairly soon, right? Yeah,
2: we should. That's exactly right. And by the way, I'll give you the Chiefs. The Chiefs had two picks in the first round. They went McDuffie, the cornerback out of Washington, who people were high on. And then they traded up
3: to, they traded up to get him. They they took the New England pick to get the last corner. I thought he was gonna go a little earlier because the way the corners went three four. I thought there would be a move going up that direction. But uh, obviously, they, they got him down there. And then they got the pass rusher out of Purdue, who was rumored, who was sliding. Remember, he was the guy Amal was betting. Not the, to be drafted in the first round. Not to be drafted. And he just lost out on that one. So, unfortunately, for, the, for uh, Amal. But there was his numbers were jockeying all over the place. He opened up at 16. Then he went to 18. And then I don't even think the agent felt like he was going to get drafted in the first. The Chiefs traded up. The, the Chiefs got him in the bottom of the first.
2: The Chiefs, by the way, I think they have more
3: picks in this draft than anybody. They do, and they need to retool. Everybody wanted the chief to draft a receiver, but, I mean, like, you can't draft a receiver if there's nobody there. The value isn't there. I mean, to get a receiver now when you know you're going to need time to develop them, it's a little bit like, you know, yeah, Gabriel Davis was a third-round pick. He's a good player. Devontae Adams is a third-round pick, too. He's
2: a really good player, too. You still can
3: get value at receiver later
2: in the draft. Was there a pick – where your phone started blowing up yesterday with friends from inside the league in your circles. Was there a pick, not to be negative, but maybe people were dubious about, or we can go flip side, a pick where people said, wow, that's great value, that's a great spot. Right uh, I there. think
3: when Carolina
2: picked, I got a
3: bunch of texts from people on that. And yeah, I, I, I mean, Aquanu, to get him there, a really good player that they feel like they can help with. I, I think the pick that kind of sent, sent it off for me uh, with my friends in the league, uh, is the the Falcon pick? I mean, they're, they they ranked 29th overall in defense. Right, their run defense was was the teams average. They were 30th in the amount of rushing attempts against Atlanta. They gave up 20 their 26th in touchdowns allowed, 27th in yards. Right, so this is a defense that was porous all over the field, and yet they felt the need to get another receiver. Like, at some point, like, when are you going to stock your defense? And I, to me, that was – I think the conversations that I had with a bunch of my friends in the league was more about team building than it was the specific player. Yeah. Like, nobody's disputing that, that Drake London can't be a good player. Like, I'm not disputing that. It's about, like, really? You, now you've got another big receiver. Like, you have pits. Like, get a defensive lineman. Get an offensive lineman. I mean, your numbers last year were about as bad as they can possibly be on both sides of the ball. It's the Jamar Chase effect. It really is. It's uh, I think people. It's also the Madden effect. People are playing the game in their basement, and then have we've lost the art of team building. We really have. We've lost the old school. And, and I don't want to sound like this whole notion that we can't. We got to get guys that can, uh, that that can make play. We got to get touchdowns. Well, they're important. We I want touchdown. But we got to block. This is a game about big people, offensive and defensive linemen. You've got to win in there. And if you can't and you get behind in a game, those receivers, they don't really matter. I mean, Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta last year, they gave up 459 points, 459 points. And and can you name one move they've made this offseason to improve their defense? Not one. Not one. Nothing. They gave up 459 points. They gave up 6,100 yards, 6,100 yards. You know, they, they, they were – every play averaged 5.6 yards against them, and they're drafting another receiver. Like, what are we doing? And Fontenot grew up in New Orleans where, where Sean Payton, for all the offensive talent he has as a coach, put it in the offensive line, kept putting it in the defensive line. That, that's what he was doing. And that
2: owner cares. Moreno, he'll, he'll, get, he'll get testy, and he'll get he – His he, patience he, will get cut he, short. But he listens to the media. That's he's, one he's, one of those, totally he's
3: got do, rabbit yeah. ears. Yeah, he, I mean, he really does. He's got rabbit ears, and, and he listens, and he wants to make them happy. He's, he's an You're owner right. who wants to make them happy. He's not an owner who, wants to, who understands the art of team building.
2: Like, and I think he wants to make them happy, and that's why they're in this. That's why they are where they are. Uh, it was shocking and beautiful graphic there. NFL draft wide receiver odds as far as two and a half to one on London to go one overall. That's what Cash is. I was very surprised by the Falcons going there at eight. I just have a feeling, and it's a guy you love. I have a feeling Jordan Davis is going to be an all time eagle. And what I mean by that, he's got a great personality. He's larger than life, and you can just—he feels like a guy. Philly Eagles, like oh, t- well, he's got a good—that fan have, base is gonna love he's him. You
3: got Fletcher, you got Hargrave playing next to him. You got Fletcher Cox. You know now you can limit Fletcher Cox plays. You know the Eagles for all their conversation, I mean they believe in the—they tra- won a Super Bowl because of their defensive front. Mm-hmm. They won it because of that, and they need to dominate that. And they—and they get this kid back in there. Now he may take a year to get going. But it's it's hard to find on earth men this big that this fast, this quick. I mean, they were showing the clip of the other defensive lineman blocking the kick, and you know who was behind him on the kick was 99. And then when they watch him get off the ground, when you watch him get off the ground, he contorts his body like yeah. Tyree Kill does in the end zone where he just lifts himself. Nobody can at 300, Special. 40, like that's a rare thing. Like yeah. th- there was I wrote about John Hanna, and there's a there's a picture of John Hanna, the great guard. From the, oh, we got to get going. Well, but
2: the John Hanna story tomorrow on the Lombardi. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll see you tomorrow. Odds on's next.
0: At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field.